Welcome to the Small Business Sisterhood Podcast. I'm your host, Pepper Makepeace, an online business strategist helping handmade business owners get more visibility for their Etsy shops and founder of the Small Business Sisterhood. Join me as I go behind the scenes with female entrepreneurs, revealing the struggles, strategies, and inspiring stories of these amazing women. We're here to normalize the ups and downs of entrepreneurship so we can all feel a little less isolated, be a little more connected, and keep moving forward in our businesses. If you're interested in connecting with like-minded women through monthly virtual networking and co-working events, join the free podcast community at smallbusinesssisterhood.com. Today, we're talking to Sandra Francisco, a business coach that helps entrepreneurs go from idea to profit while balancing their personal growth so they can have fulfillment and profit. Sandra spent 15 years as a marketing and product development expert for two of Canada's Fortune 10 companies. After making the difficult decision to leave the corporate path, she found herself exploring professional coaching and the dynamics of the human psyche. The combination of her eclectic background in personal and professional development translates to a unique an exceptional understanding of people from multi-million dollar business owners to entrepreneurs that are just getting started in business. Thank you, Sandra, for being on the podcast. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this chat. So tell everybody a little bit about you and your business. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, me and who I am being, I um, am a mom of two amazing kids that I'm blessed that they were given to me in this life. And yeah, the business actually has evolved over time. So it is, I did start consulting when I left my corporate job. And then about five, six years ago, I started to build in coaching. And now my focus is a lot more coaching than consulting, but it is still a mix of consulting in product development and bringing new products and services to market. And then as well as coaching people in that interplay of business development and personal development. Wonderful. I love that. Tell me a little bit of how you got started with your business. So it actually, it didn't start in this linear fashion that a lot of people I work with, they, you know, have an idea and then they start part-time and then they start full-time. For me, actually, when I was in corporate, uh, I left 11 years ago and the year before I left, I experienced um, really intense anxiety and it took a whole year for a doctor to actually even say it was anxiety because it didn't show up as, I guess, as I was told, as typical anxiety. So I had like every couple months or so, I would have these episodes that would last three, four days and my heart rate would just go really high. Like I registered as high as 200, but sometimes it would go 160, 180. And it would be like that consistently, not just like in a panic attack, but just consistently for three, four days with no sleep. So it just felt like you didn't even, you weren't even human. You couldn't even ground. It's just like you were levitating all the time and felt like your heart was going to explode. And then they, those episodes started coming, you know, first it was a couple months, then it was like almost every month, then it was more and more often. Mm-hmm. And after many, many tests, uh, finally, there was one doctor that came in with this like really thick binder. And he's like, we've done a lot of tests on you. And I think you need to just accept that you're experiencing anxiety. And he said it as if, all these other people had set up before and I was resisting it, but no one had ever even brought up the word before. So I just, I was like, okay, I feel like you're telling me to get out of here because I was going to the ER. Cause where do you go when you feel like you're having a heart attack? Right. right. <laughs> and I, that day I felt like he was like, don't come back. We can't help you. Like, that's kind of like what I felt he was saying. Wow. Um, so I did, I mean, I definitely then went to library, started to understand what, what is anxiety and I did do traditional treatments, other treatments. Um, but I felt like, okay, I cannot continue to do, you know, a 12 hour plus job. And now I feel like this doctor has said, I have to 
save myself. That's how I interpret it. Right. So I thought I can't keep doing this. So that's when I decided to quit my job. And when I left, it came as a surprise to everybody there, um, especially, you know, when I went and quit to my VP, because I was so identified with the corporate world that I did, I wasn't really showing up as myself. So nobody knew I was going through that. I was able to hide it very well. So it was kind of a shock when I did leave. And, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to just focus on healing, but two months into staying home, I was like, Oh, what did I do? This is even worse. Now I'm just here in the anxiety by myself with no distractions. So what led me to just really, again, to look for relief is I, I decided to go back to school and just study something for fun. So I decided to study nutrition. And then it was there as a surprise that I started to meet a lot of entrepreneurs and people that were either uh, had an idea and they were looking to build something or already had a business and were there studying. And I didn't know people like that because I, I had my whole world was in corporate. All my friends were in corporate and climbing the cor- corporate ladder was all I knew. All of a sudden, I was introduced to a different environment and to people that were really the entrepreneurial spirit. And I just started helping them just with advice, just because I have, you know, this knowledge of product development I'd had for so many years. And I, my background is in, in business development. And that just turned into their feedback saying, why don't you just consult for a living? Like you've helped me. And, and that's what I did for a while. I was like, okay. I'll, and what, and it was really a business of referral. So I started to consult with people looking to launch businesses, product services, and then it was a client, it was actually a consulting client that uh, said, you know, I, our contract was to an end that we built what we were meant to build. And she said, but I'd like to continue with you um, as a coach. And I didn't really understand coaching back then, but I was like, what would you like me to do for you? <laughs> and that's when I understood what she saw in me before I saw it. And then I did go and study coaching and I, you know, intellectually, I needed to know what is this? I can't tell people I do this if I don't study it because I was still my mentality. Mm-hmm. So I definitely did do the formal studies and, and then I just fell in love with it. And coaching to me, it really is just an ability to be present with the human being first And then, you know, what's going on, like what's going on in the business, wherever stage they're at, if they're in launch or if they're like just starting at the idea stage, the business is secondary to what I do. Although I only work with business owners and entrepreneurs, but it is secondary to the human being. Mm -hmm. And that's been an evolution over time. So I, I just, I look back and I feel like I've always been guided to the next step and the next step. And it wasn't for me a, a very planned, precise you know, here, then here, then here. It kind of guided me here. Right. I love that. What That's a really fascinating story to me. I'm curious. It sounds like the work that you ended up doing in your business was similar to what you were doing in corporate. And then I'm assuming this, the anxiety was coming from, at least partially from the work that you were doing in corporate. Is that correct? And then my question then is, what do you feel like is the difference in how you were working in corporate versus how you were working in your own business? Yeah, you know, I love this question because this unravels so much, I think, that that happens for people that they don't always, uh, aren't always aware. Mm-hmm. So when I look back in looking at what happened, you know, how did that anxiety come about? I, I, I've come to terms with believing that it was just divinely timed mm-hmm. and it was like my exit out of corporate, right. but I don't think it was the work itself. Um, there was a lot happening in my personal life. I had a family member that had cancer the year before I had anxiety and um, I had my my second child, my daughter just before. So I was on mat leave. Then I went back to work and it was the year soon after I went back to work that the anxiety came. So I think there was just a lot overall on my plate. The work when I was in corporate, 
I was very much integrated into being that. Mm-hmm. So it came, it came relatively easy for me. Like I found it, you know, and I'd get bored then I would look to do something different inside of the corporate organization. But I, I don't think it came from the work itself. I think it mm-hmm. came from everything. The work was a piece of it, of course, because it was demanding. Mm-hmm. And I had, I believe that I, I, my value was attached to how well I did. And I had all of this uh, value attached to being like having a high performance rating, like every year and being like the highest in my team. So letting that slip definitely would cause anxiety, but Mm. having everything else going on and not letting that slip, it was like, there was just so much going on that I think Mm. all contributed. Right. But then when I, you know, I did start to work for myself, this is where a lot of people find the, you know, overwhelm and, you know, the burden of stress because you're so alone. You have a million things to do. You wear so many hats. So there's so much more potential for anxiety in being out in entrepreneurship. And that didn't happen for me just because I had gone through the healing of anxiety. And it did take me a solid eight months of different things that I did. Um, and actually there's this little book that I, I like to mention, cause I feel like there's a reason for it, that it was actually called hope and help for your nerves. And it was a little book I found in the bookstore that really helped me get through that intense anxiety. So because I had gone through and processed and understood what's happening, mind body connection, what's really happening when I'm experiencing physical anxiety, that when I went through a lot of challenges in the beginning of building my business, I didn't experience that anxiety. But I think just because I now understood and I could tell the early signs and I I also had the freedom to decide how much I could, I would take on. So I knew if it was okay, there's a lot going on. Okay. I'm not going to bring on a client for the next month. Right. So there was I had learned my lessons, I guess. <laughs> it's always nice when that happens. <laughs> well, that is really fascinating. And I thank you for sharing that book. I, I love resources like that, that, you know, people have really found useful. There's so much out there. It's kind of hard to wade through sometimes. So I appreciate when somebody has something so specific that really helped them. So thank you for sharing that. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. So my next question is really... It sounds like what you're saying is that the the kind of the structure of your having your own business allowed you some more flexibility than maybe your corporate job had. And so, like you said, you could set the terms that you decided, you know, taking on a client or not versus in the corporate world, you can't really make those decisions. You either go on leave or you don't. Um, would you agree with that? Yes. And the other thing I would add to that. So for sure, there's the freedom, right? That's what I hear all the time whenever I work with new entrepreneurs and I ask, why are you wanting to do this? The most common answer is some sort of freedom, right? Freedom of time, freedom of expressing yourself, making money on your terms. For sure, you do have the freedom. Now, I also have worked with enough entrepreneurs and business owners over the years to know we forget that freedom so quickly because then all of a sudden it's like, but if I do do this new project or take on this new client or do this, like look at the profit potential. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I will just, I will work harder. I'll I'll rest next month or I'll take a vacation next year. So I, I don't think it's just corporate and then you can do it in, in business because I've seen it in both places for me specifically. Yes, I had the freedom, but I actioned my, my right and my choice to have the freedom because I prioritize my well-being. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the freedom is a choice. You're right. In corporate, you don't have as much choice, but in, when I was in my corporate job, I did have the freedom and the choice to take a step back. Mm-hmm. I could have, I definitely, for one, I could have taken a break 
Like I could have taken the leap. I had, I had built up such, um, you know, reputation and relationships that I could have taken a break. That's what was suggested to me initially when I left. I'm like, why don't you just take a break? But I didn't want that on my head. Like I have to get better in a month. So that's why I left, but I could have taken a step back. I could have asked actually to take less clients because I did have a client base. I could have asked for that. I could have done a lot of things, but I was so attached to my identity that took priority and my need to be this perfect employee that I didn't exercise my freedoms. Mm. So I think, yes, for sure we have more freedom in business, but so many times I've seen people just like take those freedoms and shove them away and they don't exercise them. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, there's, there's definitely that, you know, that hustle mentality that, that some people talk about, like that's the standard of, you know, especially when you're starting out that you have to hustle all the time or you're not doing it right or something, which I find, like you said, it's, it's, you're not exercising that freedom. You're the whole reason that you got in business in the first place, you're putting it off for some reason. Yeah. I love that. So when you're working with your clients, like does that show up quite a bit that people kind of struggle with either, you know, overworking or over overdoing it in general in the, the new business? Yes, it is very common. It definitely is not always. I mean, there's definitely people that they're sticking to it. That's the reason for them to be in business and they prioritize well-being naturally. But then, yes, I definitely work with a lot of people that they have so much. Okay. The other part of it is they're creative. So there's so much always pumping through them. Like I just Mm -hmm. wanted to put this product in this. And now I have another product. So there's also like create entrepreneurs are typically very creative and that there's a fire that you want to bring out so many things. So there's balancing that and having some sort of harmony between all of the things you want to express, but looking at the timing of them Mm -hmm. and, and how is that going to impact the overall well-being, physical, mental, emotional, So yes, I do work with a lot of people that come to me in that space. And then we do actually action that. And it has to do with a lot of core value work, belief work, and prioritizing of self and worthiness. Because until you put yourself at the top of the list, it's not going to change. Because something else will always be more important. Profit, sometimes reputation, your audience, your people, even over like overgiving that you're just like, but these people need me. And it's like, well, one day there won't be much to give them because you'll burn out. Right. Right. So the first thing is there has to be a natural prioritization of the self. Right. Do you think that there are kind of some, maybe not typical isn't probably the right word, but some common challenges or blocks that people come up against when, when thinking about prioritizing themselves? Yeah. So the number one thing, which actually came to me as I was finishing that, and I was like, oh, I hope she asked me a follow up because I didn't <laughs> want to leave it there is immediately people say, hear that, oh, you have to prioritize yourself. And they think, well, that's selfish mm. because there's such a common cultural belief that you are a good person when you put your kids before you, when you put, you know, your spouse or, you know, friends, your clients, that that's a, what a great human being look how selfless and they give so much. So there's a lot of clout in that in society. That's good. Selfish to look at yourself as selfish. So that's the first thing to overcome is to question those beliefs. If they're in you, if you try to pretend they're not, it's not going to work. So if, if you already have that, so we just bring that to the surface. It is selfish to prioritize myself that I'm attached to that somehow. Well, let's question that. Let's work through that because until you can separate yourself from that belief and bring in a new belief, it's going to rule you. And then you won't be able to move forward with anything else. If you're feeling like you're a bad person every time you try to take an action. So that's the number one thing that's common that we always have to work through. The other piece is the identity. Mm -hmm. 
because there's usually identity. Like I had my identity attached to corporate, but a lot of people have identity attached to their profile in business, be it social media, be it like, you know, what they show up as or the amount of money that they make every year in their business. So, and, and those things are all great, but if there's an attachment, like I am worthy because I make seven figures, if I was to drop to multiple six figures, that's not worthy right? So then we look at the, where's the, what's blocking you actually prioritizing well-being. Sometimes it is an identity to something. So those two, I think are very common, but definitely questioning whether you do currently believe that prioritizing yourself is selfish. Yeah, that's a, that is a pretty common belief, isn't it? We're, we're kind of taught to really buy into that, I think. Do oh you, yeah. Would you agree that it's, it's, particularly more common in women or maybe not, maybe it just shows up differently. Um, so I, when I started consulting, most of my clients were men and in corporate, I worked with all men Mm. and I would say probably the last three, four years, I didn't change any of my marketing or anything, but it's just, everything has shifted. It's now 90% women. I think there's just more women starting businesses. So I have definitely worked with both. I think it is common. However, what I will say is women are more willing to immediately admit it. Whereas when I do work with men, it's long, it takes us longer and more trust for them to really trust and believe in me to bring that to the surface. So I think it exists in both, but women will say it probably the second time they talk to me and men will 10th. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah, I can see how in my mind, you know, it would definitely show up in both and especially that identity part too. I think that that's so universal and it just shows up differently. You know, we have societal standards that kind of get ingrained from day one. It seems like that, you know, this is what it means to be successful. And if you're not that, then you're not, you know, I don't know, a good person or you're not like a contributing member of society. There's so many things that kind of feed into that and it can really get in the way, can it? Yes. Those are the blocks. (laughs) So once you identify kind of that attachment to the identity and and the changing, switching the belief uh, around taking care of ourselves, prioritizing ourselves, you know, what is that next step then? Next step in terms of building a business? In terms of creating that business that, that you're really wanting to actually be in. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say even like looking at the identity piece, especially if you're transitioning from job to business, mm-hmm. that does come, um, at least if, if I'm working with them, that's in the beginning stages. Sometimes, um, there's resistance there. So we'll kind of move it off. I work, there's a four steps that I work with, with new entrepreneurs to take them through business building, which comes from my, you know, 20 years of product development experience, Mm -hmm. which is explore, plan, develop, and launch. So inside of explore, and, and I should say that for me, what's unique about the way that I work with clients is that I do work on both the uh, personal development and business development in tandem. Mm -hmm. So that's true for my one-on-one clients. And that's true for the group program that I have that's idea to profit, that that's for new entrepreneurs that are really going from idea to profit, but everything is both coming together. So people that are wanting and willing to do the, the outer journey of building a business and putting something out into the world, but also wanting to do the inner journey of growing as they grow their business. So in that first stage is what we've been talking about, like the identity crisis that comes with, like I had a job, I was this, this, and this, what am I now as I'm building this business and what do I attach to? So that, that identity piece is inside of explore that comes out a lot. 
And then there's a lot more in there as well as exploring what kind of brand you're, you know, not building the brand, but exploring what is it that wants to come out of you from a creative space, you know, looking also at, you know, what's the target market ideal client for your idea for what, and this is just in the idea stage we're exploring and we're very creative, very open, very flowy in the explore stage. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a few things that we go through there. And then in the planning stages, the part that every entrepreneur is like, do we have to, (laughs) everyone wants to explore and launch (laughs) the middle is like, it's needed and it's needed for sustainability for sure for longevity of a business. And this I can say, because I've watched it over the years, people that not that you can't just have an idea, go out there. It's just much harder to have that be successful. Cause there's a lot of that. If you're building a home, that would be the foundation. It's like, you're missing the foundation. So then you're just building a home that you're hoping there's no like winds to come through. So you're like, yeah, I built my home. It's great. Look, I did it in like two weeks. My home is built. And you're like, please, 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 no wind come through and then it'll be okay. Right. Right. So that's kind of what it looks like. Mm. But when you build the foundation, you can sustain more of the test of time. So in the planning phase, we're going to go through the things that sometimes people call boring. Like it can be a master plan, like overall business plan. Now that is only needed. If you are looking to get funding, if you need to go to get a loan of some kind, then you need a full classical business plan. If that's not the fact for you, you don't need to do that. But I do have a one page, what I call purpose-based plan that at least gets you focused and gets you to give some time and attention to what is it you're trying to create as well as I take them through marketing plan and a take to market blueprint. These are things that you figure out a lot of challenges here that will save you a ton of time and money because when you're figuring them out after launch, that's going to cost money, first of all, and a lot of time and frustration. So we'd spend a lot of time playing through that in planning and then developing, of course, as you actually develop that product or service, you price it and you test it. The big thing is, I mean, coming from traditional product development, we don't do anything without beta testing. Mm-hmm. So that's a big element of how do you actually test? It doesn't have to be the scary thing. Like, is that a cost a lot of money? Does that take a lot of time? Depending on what you're launching, it can actually be very straightforward or very simple, but you still don't want to skip that step. Mm-hmm. And then we get to launch with just like party time. Everybody loves it. <laughs> and that definitely is putting it out into the world and, you know, having a party if you want to. And that comes, that's the marketing piece, like looking at the sales funnels, looking at what marketing channels are going to use, business models, all of that tends to go into that launch phase. So I do have like the system that I take people through that actually does get them from like, I have this idea, or maybe sometimes I start with people who don't even have an idea. But if you follow it through, it's really not that difficult to be an entrepreneur and to have a business. And it all depends on how you define that. Because sometimes there's this belief, and I've seen this many times, that people think business owners, entrepreneurs, it that only you only qualify as that if you have like a you know, like a storefront or a multi-million dollar business. And that's the image in your mind. You're like, how could I get there? I, my idea is this little idea. Or I, all I'm thinking is that instead of working for this corporation, I could take my skills and people could pay me directly. That is still an entrepreneur. That is still a business owner. I mean, those are like, there's no legal authority that says you cannot be an entrepreneur. You cannot be a business owner because you're just a consultant. You're still independently earning a living. That's mm-hmm. still taking you from idea to launch. Mm-hmm. So kind of a random thought came to me and and you were talking about the the beta testing. Do you run into any, I guess, let me try to phrase that better. When you're working with clients, do you 
talk with them about kind of that identity fraud kind of thing. Identity fraud is not the <laughs> word. What is that word? Do you mean like the identity crisis? Like no, when- it's the... Like feeling like a fraud. Oh, like, okay. I know what you mean. Um, what is that word? And it's funny because the word is Imposter also Imposter syndrome. That's it. I was like. <laughs> yes. All right. We got there. So, <laughs> God. Yes. Identity fraud is completely different. So let's scratch that. <laughs> but yeah. So when you're working with clients, do you, you know, talk through that imposter syndrome that can come up and the beta testing, you know, you're, you're putting it out there that you are new, you are fresh, you are, you know, it's not fully formed. Do other people other than me feel uncomfortable in that space? No, it's not just you. It's everybody I've ever worked with. That's like, that's the short answer. And, you know, I think that's just also a part of the development cycle um, to have that imposter syndrome. I have never really worked with anybody that didn't have a piece of that. And and to be honest, I also, in my private practice, I work with people that have more established businesses. And I have actually seen people that are going from like, this was a client that surprised me because she was very successful. Her business was multi-million dollars and she was going to a global launch. So her company was going into that 50 million range. And she did admit that going to this global launch was bringing up all of the same things. Like, mm-hmm. Do, can I do this? Like she was also in a male dominated industry. So it's like, is globally, am I going to be respected? And all of that feeling like just taking that next big step. So it's definitely not something people feel just when they're starting at the yeah, day one, sure. the next time they take a big leap that might come back around again. It doesn't have to, but it often does. And I, I think this is just my view rather than making that like a whole issue on of its own, like something wrong with me. I have to dig in. Why am I doing this? If you just accept that it's part of the cycle mm-hmm. and then see if that acceptance itself lets it just kind of go away on its own. Now, if it does not, if you find that weeks and months later, you're out there and you're talking to clients and it's continuing to come up, then there may be something there to dig into that because there may be some, a lot of beliefs and worthiness, a lot of things that show up there. But I've seen a lot of times when I go through and take my clients through the cycle. And when I tell them, everybody's been here, check off that phase. Mm. You, you're here, That just that freedom and that permission to be like, Oh, this is part of the development. Cool. Right. That alone sometimes really helps. That's really interesting. And I can totally see that, you know, just recognizing that this, this is part of the process then, and then you can just move on. Often that does fix a big part of it. I love that. And it's, you know, that's part of what I love, you know, talking on the podcast about normalizing that struggle a little bit. And sometimes it's just as simple as acknowledging and understanding that it's not just you and it's just what we do. It's just part of the process, part of the journey, right? Do you feel like, and I'm not sure how many of your clients kind of come from corporate into the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space. Um, but would you say that there are, sometimes I feel like people have the nine to five and there's a way that you work in a nine to five and then you just forget all of that. And then you start over completely in your business. And it's like, there's some disconnects somehow in the way that we work in our business versus how we used to work in the nine to five. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that people throw out the window is a structure mm-hmm. because it's like, you want to be free. 
So when you get your freedom, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, do anything scheduled. I'm not going to like get up at a certain time. I have the freedom to, you know, direct my time and do what I want. And for some people, I mean, I find that people are very individual and very unique. Some people, some very few people over the years that I've been doing this, very few people can perform well there. But that's been very few. Most people, when they do that for a while, they get very lost. They have no grounding. They have no structure. Um, they don't even know like how to manage their time anymore. And then they actually overwhelmed in the flow. So they think this is freedom. This is flow, but then they're overwhelmed. So I, one of the first things I always see to kind of bring back some of what you had in corporate is the structure, because when you had a boss, any kind of like the corporate environment was your boss, you were given structure. You were told this, 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 and this. And as much as it's so nice to be free and to be your own boss, you're your own boss now. So you have to give yourself the structure because no one's going to show up and actually give it to you. But it's very hard, especially, I mean, most people have some sort of, you know, uh, client conversation, even if they're like business to business and maybe, you know, they have a whole team that they build, but there's usually either you're managing your employees or you're managing your clients, especially when you are then interacting and communicating with other people and you have zero structure, it's going to be very hard to grow an organization or for even to have satisfied clients because now you, or or you have no boundaries. So then you have, you, you know, you charge people for an hour, but you're spending 10 hours a week with them because whenever they call you, you talk to them for another 20 minutes and then an hour. So definitely I would say one thing when you're transitioning, is just play with this flow. If you, you know, I, I feel like, first of all, take a vacation. Right. If you're really going from <laughs> corporate to thinking. business, I was take like, a take, take, a, take a moment, take a vacation and, and make sure you flow and enjoy yourself. But then if you find yourself in your business kind of really resisting structure, that's the number one thing I would say is even if you just put in, okay, so I am going to wake up at this time and I'm going to start my work at this time. And at least if it's like these few days a week, I'm going to have structure. And then I'm going to have like a day where I can do whatever I want and I'm going to flow, but start to bring back some of that structure, mm-hmm. especially if you're starting to feel the signs of like stress and overwhelm. Yeah, that structure. And sometimes when I tell people that I, you know, I have my own business, set my own hours, whatever they, and they work in a corporate setting or, you know, education setting. And they're like, Oh, I could never do that. I, you know, I would never get anything done because I would just do whatever all day long. And (laughs) there is some truth to that. Like you have to kind of like retrain your mind to not go do laundry Yes, you know, really kind of hone your focus a little bit to actually working and not cleaning the house or. Yeah. And it is, it is like anything else. It's something you have to learn. Yeah, absolutely. This has been so interesting to me and I, I love hearing about your experience and, and how you work with your clients. Can you kind of think back to when you first started something that maybe, you found surprising or particularly challenging? Yeah, so many. <laughs> right? Can you pick, pick one? Or yes, uh, exactly, right? I mean, there's that's the thing, right? It is definitely challenging for mm-hmm. sure. And, and often people ask, well, then why did you do it? Or why do you keep doing it? Because there's also so much love for the freedom. And, mm-hmm. and just, so it's kind of that duality that you work within. You know, for, for me, one of the hardest things for years was I, I was just very alone. 
because I still maintained my friendships in with people that were that had jobs and were in corporate. And it took me a while to build a network of people that were entrepreneurs and business owners. So although I had my clients, they were my clients and I have boundaries with clients because mm-hmm. I feel for me, I have to have that. So it wasn't like we were hanging out afterwards and we could you know, right. <laughs> chat and interact. Right. So I didn't really have people that I could fully trust and connect with and speak about all these challenges. So it took me a few years to build that network. And that was really lonely. And I think looking back, it really also slowed my growth mm-hmm. and, and kept me in a very small shell for a while because I just didn't want to take big risks because I didn't know what to do. And I didn't even understand really what growth and expansion look like or how to scale because I didn't have those voices. So that's one thing that I guess, you know what you know at the time. Um, if I could go back, I would definitely say, you know, get out there, build some relationships, look for a program or connections where you can meet other people that are doing things like what you're doing. Right. So that, that to me stands out as like the biggest challenge. I think the other challenge too, very much, I guess, goes with the imposter syndrome as well and not having people you could openly talk to is just feeling like lost without direction a lot of the times mm-hmm. where you are, again, you are your own boss, you are in charge of the direction. You are the one that's supposed to figure it all out. You're the one supposed to have all the plans and, and the direction. But when you're doing it all alone and you aren't, you know, be, you don't have people that you can go to and ask questions, that you don't have a support system, it, it, you just feel like you're just sailing in the middle of the ocean and you're like, I'm hoping I'm going towards something. Like, I think this is something. So yeah, for me, definitely, I would say that was the highlight of the challenge was just not having the community. So what did you find kind of, what worked best for you in building that community for yourself? You know, again, I have to go back to saying this must just be timing. Um, it just, it was like, then when it happened, it just happened and it just all flowed. It, it started actually I took not a business course, but I took a, like a personal development course. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think this is a great thing for people to do is look for something that you're interested, genuinely really interested in and other people will be interested in. Then you'll already automatically find people you can connect with and you can right. really deep dive with. So it was actually a personal development course that I started to meet entrepreneurs there, but we aligned on also, a, you know, the philosophy of business of like well-being first, you know, profit. And, and I almost put well-being and profit on the same line when you have a business. It, I prioritize well-being, yes, but I also prioritize profit because otherwise I have a hobby. Right. Right, So when you have people that are aligned that way, because I did try networking in the beginning, in the first couple of years and where I didn't know I went wrong, but I did is I tried just general networking, like going to networking groups and then, you know, where you get, you know, 30 seconds to say who you are and then somebody else says who they are. And then you're supposed to build relationships from that. And most of the people that I met there were in a consciousness of business is money making and that's it. And who am I as a person? I don't care. And I just didn't belong. I couldn't really trust. I couldn't really speak openly. So it was years later that I actually took this personal development course, but a lot of people were entrepreneurs. And then I started to meet all these people that were building different businesses, but doing it the way I was doing it, that they prioritize their well-being, they they mix in a business and, and a, you know, a human element to whatever it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like, it just, went away. It was just that feeling of being alone went away. And that really helped me to scale because I just felt for one, like we talked about the imposter syndrome. Sometimes it's good if somebody just says it's okay, like that's okay to be that. And when I started to meet more people, I also felt like, especially I met one mentor that, you know, has a multi-million dollar business and is highly spiritual, very evolved, prioritizes development. And, you know, is 
made millions and millions of dollars. I'm like, oh, you can do this. You can have both of these things. So it's expanders, people that increase your belief that you're not crazy. You're not out in the middle of the ocean going nowhere. Um, there's a demand, more demand that you would think for your services and you can keep going. You're good. Yeah. I love that. And it's so inspiring and kind of reaffirming to have those people that, you know, either emulate what we think we want and, or encourage us to go after what we want. And I think both are equally helpful. So you had mentioned just one more quick thing I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they have a a lot of that creativity, a lot of things kind of going on in their heads that they want to act upon. And, and it can be kind of overwhelming and, you know, there's, there's so much to come out. I feel like when you have that space now for that creativity, it's like it all comes flooding in. And I find, I still find this challenging in my business and I've been in business since 2008. But when I have new ideas that flood in, it's so hard to, to choose out of that big pool of things, what to focus on and, you know, what to to prioritize really. What are your thoughts about kind of sifting through that? Yes, it is one of the greatest challenge challenges for creatives. And and oftentimes it tortures them where they live in the explore phase. Right. And in my program, I have a couple that have taken months in the explore phase because they just are not satisfied to go through to the next level. I actually, I, I have a four-step system that I go through. I like fours, I should say that. <laughs> but I, it's actually a free course that's on my website that helps people decide the best business idea for them, mm-hmm. which you can also use if you're not, you don't, you already have a business. You're not looking for the starter idea, but you have a bunch of different things you want to do in your business. You can use the same system. Mm-hmm. And that really does go through and say, take what you have, like what you're looking at doing, um, and then look at what is the profit potential of those ideas, as well as, you know, lifestyle mm-hmm. of like, what, what does that mean for your lifestyle, depending on which idea you're going to activate and also at the market demand. So what is the market demand, which goes market demand, profit potential, lifestyle. Um, so when you take in, into account some of those elements, it can actually, because creatives, you're in your right brain and beautiful things can come out of the right brain. But when you bring harmony between the right brain and the left brain, it actually can help you to make a decision. Mm -hmm. So you already have the right brain creativity in front of you because you will have written down how many ever, you know, ideas you have, maybe three, four, 10, right? So the creativity, the right brain has done its job. So then allow for the left brain to come in and help you to mm-hmm. then use the, some of the analytics to be able to put some numbers towards some of this. So you can actually come up with, okay, which one of these beautiful creative flowers do I want to, you know, show the world, right? So it's not using your left brain, your intellect does not diminish your right brain creativity. Mm. You can actually bring them together I love that. to yeah. have, you know, what it is you're looking to have. Well, and both sides are so critical for the success of anything, right? And it's, it's interesting. Some people get stuck in the creativity. Some people get stuck in the planning, which is, and I, yeah, it's really, I love that. And I appreciate that reminder of bringing those two things together and not getting stuck in one or the other. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. This has been so inspiring and I've learned a lot from you and I'm sure all our listeners have as well. Um, Where do you like to hang out online? Where can people come find you? 
You know what? The best place is always my website because you can have a direct connection there. It's sandraifrancisco.com. You can just click get in touch, send me a message. I'm happy to help you answer questions, help you get, you know, to the next step. As well as you'll see, there's the free course on my main, right on the main page. So if you are considering a new business or if you're, you know, wanting to transition from job to business, it helps you to choose the best business idea for you. And I've also put in a little bit of bonus content in there that helps you to start thinking of your target market, value and worthiness, like the things in that explore phase that are very vital for you to consider. So you can go right there and get that access to that free course. And if you want to connect on social, my socials are there as well. So I always find it's like a central place. The website's the best place to go to. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I love the conversation. Thank you, Sandra, for talking with us today. You can find out more information about Sandra and the link to her website in the show notes for this episode at smallbusinesssisterhood.com slash 48. I hope you found this episode useful and inspiring. If you did, please pop over to iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.